Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. And today we're going to take a look at Shinedown with their UK tour in Cardiff International Arena. So, today's show is a six-truck show and they have three lighting bars above the stage and one in front of the stage. Currently, LX 1, 2 and 3 are in the air and front house one is being worked on at working heights and will be winched up soon enough so lx1 2 and 3 so they're arced at 30 degrees stage left and 30 degrees stage right and meeting and peaking in the middle so nice a little bit of um extra coverage from having the lighting bars uh, at that at that 30 degree angle so LX1 and 2, they have LED buttons on there, so a bank of uh, 3 yeah, wide, and you also have a load of moving light profile units on each, underneath each uh, set of buttons. And this is exactly the same stage left and stage right, and on LX2 as well. They also have a similar setup with the uh, trusses mounted on the floor upstage left and upstage right and I believe they've got some uh, going into the centre as well but I can't be too sure on that at present they have built two AD screens at the back of the stage so upstage centre and it's looking quite long long as in the sense of the height of the stage but quite um, each one is quite narrow in comparison to how they could be. I'm not sure why they haven't built it as one giant screen because there is a small gap between the two. I'm sure once it's switched on we will find out. Front of house one has been fully powered up and it looks like they've got a 40 LED baton on there which isn't playing ball. Um, it keeps coming up as the wrong colour so that's going to be an issue with its DMX card and what is a DMX card for people listening that don't know anything about the technical side of entertainment well the DMX is a signal is a is a lighting signal which talks to the lights and to the lighting desk and if there's damage to the DMX card it's not getting the correct signal from the lighting desk and will produce errors so they're currently having a look at it and possibly uh, using the tour spare and if they've used the spare and sent the uh, another unit back then I'm guessing they're going to have to do a fair amount of budging to make it work either respace the lights and uh, pull out of the rigged damage unit or get in the soldering iron out and seeing if they can repair the MX card also on that bar you have a load of moving light profiles again I'm not sure if they are standard profiles or if they're robo spots just yet but I'm sure we will find out at some point soon so lighting wise that's all I can tell you at present currently they're building the line arrays and they're looking pretty large actually they've uh, flown their subs is what I can tell you and going from what I can see stage right the uh, main line array is too wide and 
15 deep and you got the smaller line array set a little bit back at 45 degrees angle to give the surround sound effect that is too wide as well and is 8 deep they may add on to it though I'm not too sure just yet so that's all I can tell you of what's going on at present and when we know a bit more we shall come back to the build and in the meantime after the break we'll have a look at shine down and their support act asking alexandria we'll be back after this coming back to master x media we have the x review and if you don't know what the x review is or was and will be again it's where i go and do a reaction video to music videos so you get genuine reactions and most of the time they are on the fly surprise reactions because I would not have seen the videos that I've been reacting to and I do feel like it's a very honest representation of music so if you like to listen and watch reaction videos the link is in the description And we're back. So Shinedown is an American rock band from Jacksonville, Florida, formed by singer Brent Smith in 2001 after the dissolution of Drev, his previous band. Smith, still under contract with record label Atlantic Records, recruited the band's original lineup of Jason Todd as guitarist, Brad Stewart on, on bass and Barry Kirch on drums. Consistent of the first two album cycles, several lineup changes followed in the late 2000s, eventually stabilising with Smith and Kirch, Kirch alongside Zach Mayers on guitar and Eric Bass on bass. The group has released seven studio albums, Leave a Whisper in 2003, Us and Them in 2005, The Sound of Madness in 2008, Ammals in 2012, Threat to Survival 2015, Attention Attention in 2018 and Planet Zero in 2022. Shinedown has the most number of singles in the Billboard mainstream rock charts with 18 and all of their released singles have reached the top 5 charts on the charts. Additionally, on the 3rd of June 2021, Shinedown was ranked number 1 by Billboard on the greatest of all, of all time mainstream rock artist charts released to celebrate the mainstream rock charts 40th anniversary. To date, the band has sold more than 10 million records worldwide. So not much else I can tell you really from my uh, regular source of information, but I'm sure we'll uh, get to see a bit more of uh, how they are during their performance. We'll be back after this. Returning to Muster X Media after a long absence, we have Scenic Serenity, which is a nice relaxing window channel where you'd hear and see a load of relaxing views with relaxing natural sounds. Sometimes even relaxing music. So why not check it out? The link is in the description. And we're back. So, Asking Alexandria are a British rock band from New York, North, North Yorkshire, consisting of guitarist Ben Bruce and Cameron Liddell, 
drummer James Castles and lead vocalist Danny Wersnop and bassist Sam Betsley. Initially formed in 2006 by, Bruce, by Ben Bruce, the band officially established a six-piece in 2008 with the founding lineup consisting of Bruce, Wersnop, Castles, Liddell, Joe Lancaster and Ryan Binns. After the departure of Lancaster and Binns, as well as the recruitment of bassist Sam Betley in 2009, the band released their debut album Stand Up and Scream in 2009. The band released two studio albums, Reckless and Relentless in 2011 and From Death to Destiny in 2013, before the departure of Worsnop in January 2015. It was replaced by Dennis Stoff and the band released The Black in 2016. Stoff departed from the band in October that year and Worsnop subsequently returned to the band. The band released a self-titled fifth album in late 2017, which was a marked stylistic departure from their previous works. Their sixth studio album, Like a House on Fire, which was released on the 15th of May 2020, shows the group's continuity of a more straightforward and melodic hard rock sound, while also shift into different genres. Its follow-up to their seventh studio album, See What's on the Inside, was released on the 1st of October 2021. Ben Bruce, the band's current lead singer, guitarist and backing vocalist, originally formed the band in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, in 2016. The band's original lineup consisted of completely different members compared to that of the lineup from 2008, and released their debut EP Tomorrow Hope Goodbye, Tomorrow Hope Goodbye in 2006. Then followed up with their debut album titled The Irony of Your Perfection in 2007. After realising that he wouldn't be able to achieve international success in Dubai, he moved back to England, Nottingham, in 2008 and assembled the band with new members from the local area, including lead singer Danny Worsnop, whom he had moved into his flat apartment in York. The band became a six-piece after recruiting Ryan Bint on synthesizers, James Cazzles on drums, Joe Lancaster on bass and Cameron Liddle on rhythm guitar. Later that year, Bins decided to leave the band in January, in January 2009. Lancaster also decided to leave and was replaced by Sam Betley. Lancaster later joined the metalcore band with One Last Breath. Bruce carried the name of his previous band over to his new one, due to not wanting to bother of coming up with a new one. However, he insists that despite having the same name, it is not the same band. When asked why he chose that particular name, he explained that most bands have a pretty shit band name, so I just came up with something. I came up with Alexandria as a human name, because people relate to humans, although the reason for using the word asking is not, is not explained. Stand Up and Scream was recorded during spring 2009 and was produced by Jerry Sturgis. The band signed to Sumerian Records and released their debut album on the label on the 15th of September. The album charted only in the US, peaking at number 24 on the top hard rock albums and 29 on the top independent albums. Four singles were released from Stand Up and Scream, the final episode, Let's Change the Channel, A Prophecy, if you can't ride the two horses at once, you should get off at the circus, and not the American average. On the 3rd of December 2014, the single, the final episode, Let's Change the Channel, was certified gold in by the RIAA after 500,000 copies were sold in the US. 
on March the 30th in 2017, the band's fourth single, Not the American Average, was also certified gold by the RIAA after 500,000 copies were sold in the US. The band toured across America as a support act for the remainder of the year, supporting Evergreen Terrace along with The Fallen Dreams and Unholy in October, and El Sena along with From First to Last. The World Alive and Memphis May Fire in November and December. The band's music has mostly been described as metalcore, hard rock, heavy metal, post-hardcore and screamo. Their early work has been described as electronicore and the first two Sumerian albums of 2009's Stand Up and Scream and 2011's Reckless and Relentless are both generally considered to be a metalcore album, whilst their fourth album or 2013's From Death to Destiny is influenced by heavy metal and rock bands while maintaining asking Alexander's signature metalcore sound on certain tracks guitarist Ben Bruce has stated that they do not like writing music that sounds the same from album to album which is why their musical style has changed over time Ben Bruce has expressed the feeling that, he, that the band's lyrical style before Reckless and Relentless was immature According to Bruce, the band wanted to move on from yelling out lyrics like fuck and you stupid fucking whore to more mature style with more meaning. He stated that From Death to Destiny is lyrically their most mature album, no longer focusing on subjects such as drugs and women and more more meaningful than their older lyrics. Danny Wasnop has claimed that the band's lyrics are never written before entering the studio and are always improvised during recording of an album. All the band's members have expressed their passion for 1980s rock music and demonstrated it with releases such as Life Gone Wild EP featuring covers of two Skid Row songs or the Under the Influence attributes to Legends of Hard Rock EP featuring covers of songs by bands such as Journey, Motley Crue, Whitesnake and Def Leppard. Their third studio album from Death to Destiny is heavily influenced by such bands. Some of their favourite artists include Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Motley Crue, Sebastian Bach, Skid Row and Van Halen, but they also take influence from modern bands such as Slipknot and Avenged Sevenfold. So now we know a little bit more about Asking Alexandria, we'll be back after this. A tribute to men that hate their jobs is a brutal but witty portrayal of working a job you hate. In this podcast there are themes explored in which happy workers simply wouldn't understand unless they listen to these cautionary tales from a man that lost his ideal job because of the global pandemic. Be warned that this podcast contains strong offensive language that some listeners may not want to hear. In addition, this podcast is definitely not recommended for younger audiences. The links for this is in the description below. And we're back. And now a few amendments. Now the build is complete. So the third lighting bar is not actually a lighting bar. So LXE is actually a pyro bar. Right, so also the screen isn't actually flat so that's where that gap was from uh, basically it's now married up but both sides of the screen are pointing 30 degrees uh, outwards to all, so uh, and the peak is uh, coming down stage so a nice 
interesting um, take on the LED screen and it'll be interesting to see uh, what they're going to put up on that screen. Additionally they've got some floor based trusses which have got more moving light profiles on there at the back of the stage and they've got a load of uh, flame effects as well so you've got upstage flames which are just in front of the uh, drum riser and then you've and then you've got the downstage flames which are at the front of the stage and you can cut you can hear that bassy noise that's where they're tuning the sound system and uh, definitely going over the bass bins all the subs so not only have they got the flown subs but they've got a load of uh, subs in front of the stage as well you've got one two three four five you've got six banks of three in front of the stage with a front fill on top so lots of noise lots of it <laughs> so it's going to be an interesting show it's going to be a loud show and there's going to be a lot of moshing and yeah i think we're going to have a good one a real good show tonight we'll be back after this so not only does master x media have a series of podcasts we also have a series of books. The first book is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book, A Tribute To, is fitting with the tone of the book because like a tribute act it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth there are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry as well as stories with a sexual nature so sit down relax and enjoy the ride of a tribute to working at sea volumes one and two all of these books are available on amazon and are available in paperback and on kindle and the links for all these books are in the description below. And we're back. Well, what can I say? We had an extra support that no one told us about until um, around about 5 p.m. It was a, oh, by the way, we've got another support. Well, okay then, okay, that's fine. So that was 0936. And uh, I'm not sure if they're referring to a time. Anyways. I don't know anything about them, but I'm just going to go straight on to their uh, actual set. So, so the main singer came out with, with a deep backing track and began to uh, rap really fast. Then the drums began to beat on top of the track. And yeah, when I say track, there was a click track with uh, the instruments that they weren't playing. So there's nothing out of the ordinary. It happens uh, from time to time because uh, they're a support act and they probably recorded the extra instruments themselves and then uh, put those on the backing track and uh, played on top, which they did. So when you, you know, sometimes you just can't afford session musicians uh, when you're starting out and that's not a problem and there's nothing to be ashamed of. It has to be done sometimes. That's just how it goes. Right, so... Anyways, I digress, um, so when the drums started, then the two guitarists came in stage left and stage right and on 
one big beat they the uh, song dropped and they started their set so lighting wise it was the same lighting throughout yet again i guess uh, they just didn't have time to uh, program the lights when we found out about this at 5 p.m so it was a uh, congo blue backlight from the upstage ad profiles and then they had some white lights from the next row along backlighting and side lighting them and that was it really and with a little bit of front light from the front of the house bar and that's all they had from start through finish Soundwise, it was excessively loud and then it went to quiet then it went to loud again and then it got tamed a little bit more and yet again they just had a quick sound check before we went on at five o'clock and that was it they then um, didn't have much of a sound check it was like quick get up uh, do the lines and play a bit of a song and uh, come back uh, when it's time to do your performance which they did and to be fair to them they did pretty well um, it's just that the sound took a while to get under control but then again it's the first day of the tour they've only just tuned the sound system they've not recorded any settings to reload the settings and then tweak from venue to venue it's been done on the fly so i can appreciate why there was a fluctuation in sound quality and then by the end of their set it was under control and it did actually have a good sound to them although at, at the start of their set though the drums completely drowned out the backing track and the guitars and even the vocals and it was only about halfway into their set that the vocals became a bit more prominent so you could actually hear what was being said although it was being wrapped very very quickly so how did the band actually perform well they performed really well actually uh, considering that this is the first time they were probably in the uk they uh, carried the audience with them for as as far as the support act goes they did uh, a good job they did a real good job uh, doing a pre-warm-up of the warm-up act so it did go down a tree and you had people uh, trying to mosh you had uh, people cheering and screaming along to it not singing along though well it's metal you're not really going to sing that much uh, it's more of a it was more of a roar and a uh, and a rap but no they the audience did seem to enjoy the enjoy zero nine thirty six now tone wise and whatnot tone of the performance well zero nine thirty six did remind me of being in an old school uh, pit club you know a proper a proper grotty sticky floor back metal uh, back room uh, metal club that you'd find in some rundown pub but there's nothing wrong with that I love that I did actually miss stuff like I do actually miss stuff like that uh, now I'm a grown-up you don't really get that anymore it's all gonna be nice and clean now zero nine thirty six did remind me of my youth and how much fun you can have on the metal scene when you're young we'll be back after this the War Carnarvon Crescent by Paul Collis from Master X Major when a neighbourhood dispute explodes into an all-out war. So Chaz Bruford, his wife Ellie and their young daughter Aurora move into Carnarvon Crescent. They soon become aware of the troublesome next-door neighbour who makes a point of living in her house for over 50 years. 
and the moment Chaz arrived and began to unload, his new neighbour takes an instant disliking to him and she goes out of her way to make Chaz and his family feel unwelcome. The animosity quickly spirals out of control from both parties and the mutual respect gets lowered right into the gutter from the outset. Chaz comes to realise that this is not just any war, it is a neighbourhood war to end all wars. This book is available to buy on Amazon and this book is available on hardback, paperback and Kindle. This book is pure fiction and should not be used as a user manual. And we're back asking Alexandria. Well, they didn't have much space on the stage because they had their own drum riser which was immediately in front of which was in front of Shinedown's risers. So with their with uh, asking Alexandria's riser, they just had a couple of meters between the riser and the front of the stage and their pyro boxes, because yes. They had their own flame effects as well as Shine Down having their own flame effects. So their boxes were positioned in nicely, some on top of the riser behind them and some on the front of the stage. Also, there were uh, three elevation platforms right on the front of the stage as well. And if you're not sure what I mean by an elevation platform, well one of the well, an elevation platform is quite literally a little riser that you just use to stand on to give yourself a bit more prominence on the stage when you're doing a solo or a big part on your guitar. It don't have to be a guitar, it could be any other instrument, but it just makes you stand out and be more prominent. They had three of those, one, sta one stage left, one stage right and one centre stage. And the band, their guitars are fully wireless, so they had a lot of freedom to run around the stage or the little bit of stage that they had, which gave them the freedom to uh, swap positions with uh, the other guitarists and the lead singer and it was real, a real good part of the show it was a good feature considering that they didn't have much stage to go with it's all about how you use the stage to your advantage and they and they use the stage well to their advantage by making things stand about out stand out a bit more and giving them the flexibility of movement and and a lot of interaction with uh, the other band members so it was good it was really really good nice a nice thing to see actually from start to finish the lighting was uh, was was serious um, in their uh, flash and trash they had lots of flash lots of trash and if you are a regular listener you know that there is always a time and place for flash and trash and this was the time and this was the place because it fitted well it did fit in well with their set they uh, had either washes as in uh, white washes on the stage and lit the audience or they'd uh, go with a few reds and whatnot reds and uh, whites bit of congo with a bit of red bit of congo with a bit of blue but predominantly uh, a whitewash on stage and all the other lights that they had were just flashing out into the audience and lighting the audience giving it a nice yet again metal club feeling because that's how it just came across to me that the whole set for tonight was to make you feel like you were in a pit club and I love I used to love going to pit clubs when I was a lot younger anyways it was great it was really good to see how did Asking Alexandria perform? Well, they performed really well, really, really well. 
they yet had the audience in the palm of their hands and would violently throw them to the floor to start a mosh pit because it was great it was metal and everyone enjoyed themselves you had circle pits opening up just small ones mind you they weren't massive ones but still you can't go wrong with a nice small mosh pit and people just being good with each other about it as well now as a support band asking alexandria were brilliant they uh, definitely definitely had uh, the audience warmed up ready for shinedown and you know people were singing along people moshing you know doing sign of the devil you know with their hands up and you know proper rocking out and moshing out and the audience just loving it you could feel a really good atmosphere in there for them especially when the uh, band were playing some amazing amazing solos now I do believe that Asking Alexandria can be a real big band and I reckon soon enough you'd see them do their own headline of their own show because why not they do have the stage presence to pull it off and I do feel that we uh, should see a lot more of them in the UK I really do oh I almost forgot about the noise so how did the noise sound throughout the whole show well it started off as loud and ear-shattering as possible and uh, when I say that I mean I'm talking with a hint of brain melt as well for good measure but by the second song the uh, sound engineer yet again managed to wrestle the sound down to uh, where it needed to be and once they got it it was spot on clarity wise I would say that it wasn't 22 karat gold but it was definitely of gold standard I would say it was closer to 18 karat gold with the clarity that's because of how it took to wrestle it down and once it was wrestled down it just wasn't that clear still to me but but it was the first day of the tour and they're just getting everything tuned ready to go so the next venue that they are going to and I believe it was Manchester was the second venue I would say that they would just reload the settings do the tweaks and they would definitely probably they would most likely get the clarity up to the 22 gold standard my 22 karat gold standard and it's just one of those things you know a big show big powerful PA system and once it was all wrestled down it was fine and with the little tweak here and a little tweak there on the tour they would definitely get the sound as mint as it as it is uh, rightfully deserved because i do th and i do feel that the stand engineer was talented it was just a big big ask to uh, have to do an extra band as well and uh, just quickly adjust all the settings but i'm sure that in the next show it'll be amazing even better than this show and I thought it was amazing in this show we'll be back after this Check the mic and make sure it sound right boys Master X Media presents Lord of the Memes Bad Dog Farmer Frank's Filthy Fucking Farm and Bonnie Bouncing Baby Bastards all three of these books are meme books and they come up with some Pretty brutal and hilarious memes which are definitely not for children or the easily offended. These are ideal gifts for Secret Santa, Father's Day or even birthday presents for the fun loving man. So why not take a chance 
and make his day when he gets to read a Lord of the Memes meme book. All three books are available on Kindle, hardback and paperback on Amazon. And we're back. Well, so for Shinedown, the lights went down and out of nowhere, the track was played. Though, I don't know who it was, nor the song. Though, it did have a rap metal vibe to it. And yet again, this is me talking about an overture. Because, as I've said this year a couple of times, it's a big thing to have an overture of someone else's music. And... I suppose it complements the person who uh, whose track it is uh, to help them open up their uh, their show, but it's good. It's good. I do like stuff like that. And then when the overture had finished, the VT started up with a caption of 2019, and then it went into a recording of the band on tour, and then it mixed into a sequence about the pandemic with the text 348 days later with the tour then being prepped at the uh, prep warehouse and then once the VT finished it finished with the Planet Zero intro and then the band came on to the stage with the, with the stage flooded with magenta lights pointing 45 degrees up into the audience with a white lit stage then the lights started to strobe and then pyros went off uh, on, the dr- on the first drum beat I want to say yeah pyros we're talking about what we would call mines and comets so big bangs big upward explosion of lots of uh, sparkly fallout and it's amazing from start to finish there was a lot of uh, explosions on stage and lots of flame effects which always always went in time with the beat and it looked amazing they're either doing a flat row or they do um front back front back front back front back so or they just do it in a random sequence as well it was great it was really really great i do love a good old flame effect and yes it is dangerous and yes it is well rehearsed in the rehearsal room where the flames are going to go off so the band know exactly where it is they just draw out the stage or with gaffer tape or uh, chalk or however they want to do it on the on the warehouse floor and then they would put the um, flame boxes there and they basically train the body to stay the hell away from the flames <laughs> I've seen that many times and I've never seen it go wrong yeah so because I've always worked with pyrotechnicians who were always spot on I've never known a weak pyrotechnician not one and that's good because that means no one gets injured well it's happened on shows that I've worked on before in the past well after I've left and other members of the team left it's just yes they you know this one person doesn't work in the industry anymore last time I heard this particular person that now cleans cars anyways for the first time in ages we saw some actual real follow spots some proper old school follow spots the follow spots that I love they were lyceum follow spots great follow spots to use and most people mainly use robo spots now but no no shine down news real follow spots with real follow spot operators who happen to be local crew <laughs> that 
that's what a real follow spot operator is doing it on the fly and then having someone from the team call the follow spots there's four follow spots and once the uh, stage manager introduced himself on comms to his follow spot crew he said who they are who they're following and when to stand by and when to put them and when to pick them up because at that point this really talented stage manager he uh, was just doing it on the flight and writing it down so then uh, the whole of the tour was lit the way how it was lit here and it was great he knew exactly what he was doing and when to pick him up he knew the music inside out including the new songs that shine down haven't even performed before he knew it all properly inside out and well done to him and i met this guy uh it's the second time I met this guy uh, in my career and he's always been a little bit highly strung but, and I say but, he was a brilliant manager, brilliant stage manager and, and he was a genius calling out his spots, very clear instructions the follow spot operators knew exactly what he wanted and when he wanted it and incredibly clear and if you listen to him you know exactly what he wants and how to get the best result and that's what I like to see in a manager yes even if someone's slightly highly strong it doesn't matter because if they can deliver then they then fair play to him that's what I like to see someone that does their job impeccably which he did and and for me, I'm I'm always tilted and biased towards follow spot operators because that was my first proper professional job in the industry, working on Le Miserable in the London's West End as a follow spot, then being fastly promoted up to being the head follow spot, and I loved every minute of it. I really, really did. Anyways, so so the rest of the uh, lighting for the show. Right, let's bear this in mind. The show was follow spot heavy. That's where most of the lighting came from, from the follow spots. You had uh, wash after wash on the stage. Uh, either colourful washes or open whites. Or a little bit dark with blue, with some blues and whatnot. Blues, reds, whites. But the follow spots were mainly doing the uh, precision lighting. And then the rest of the lights were used for either backwashing the stage or washing, or just even washing the stage and then lighting the audience and then flashing trash in the audience yet again it's the third time I've said this in this podcast there is a time and there is a place for that uh, this was a show yeah this was a show that deserved it and used it and used it perfectly the audience were lit yet again for the third time I'm going to say today it was lit as though it was a pit club and an upmarket pit club when Shinedown were on because they had all the nice toys to go with it they used everything to uh, impeccable precision and it looked amazing it really really did and they weren't flashing trashing for the whole show no they just did it when it required it in the song and it really really worked it really really worked now sound wise the show was loud I mean it was very loud I believe I registered 123 decibels in the pit so that's near enough on threshold and it wasn't sustained though it was just peaking at that so it wasn't sustained it was 
just a little bit here and a little bit hit there that was um, that was uh, that loud and the best thing about this loudness it didn't sound like seep by the time uh, by the time Alaska and Alexandria had finished their set and then the that's re relevant information was fed onto the sound operator for Shinedown it was spot on it was perfect there was clarity it was an awesome amount of clarity and even even there was a bit of feedback but it was deliberate feedback because the uh, band at one point the two guitarists just made their noise and then just lowered it to the floor towards their amps and whatnot to deliberately feed back the guitars and that was even played on the faders of the sound desk perfectly as well so it had the peaks and the troughs and drew in towards the end of that section perfectly fully controlled feedback that's what I like to hear not random feedback which shouldn't be there but good control because it's a good effect to do and I've seen this go right a few times and I've seen this go wrong a few times as well and this definitely went right they had a really good sound engine there and for me it felt like it was just just that little bit shy of the uh, 22 gold standard I would say it's more at uh, 20 karat gold on the gold standard of the sound and yet again that's because the power uh, the power on the sound system and uh, having it tuned correctly you know this was their first show of the tour next show I reckon you'd even platinum standard of uh, sound clarity that's how much confidence I have in this sound engineer he was really really good and talented so so how was Shinedown well they weren't lacking anything they had musical skill in both performance and composition they interacted well with each other as a band and every member displayed their own bright attitude on the stage you know with their own personal performances and then the combined performance as a whole they had the audience in the palm of their hand and the audience loved it and so did the band they enjoyed really really enjoyed playing in this venue and um, I actually met the lead singer uh, on the day on day one of the bill because they had a full build day to uh, work out exactly how it's going to be put together and uh, he was a he was a good lad I mean I mean really really polite shook my hand shook the rest of the team's hand as well and he was really eager to get on because he said that that Cardiff he's been here a few times which he has as a supporting artist and he and he loved playing to this crowd and you could tell the uh, the happiness in his voice that he got to play back here in Cardiff after the pandemic and he was just itching to get on that stage and it came across on the show itself brilliant absolutely brilliant I do love a uh, performance like that, I really, really do. So, how were the audience reacting as well? Big, big, uh, big point. They were singing along, they were cheering, they were jumping when it was time to jump, they were moshing when it was time to mosh, and they really, really enjoyed it. After every song there was a blackout in the audience, just 
and there's always a good clean whistle or a good loud cheer, big round of applause and that is exactly what you want to see from a show and that's exactly what a band wants to hear as well when they're on the stage because at the end of the day a band is nothing without their fans a band is nothing with no one that wants to listen to them and they had a room full of people that were there to listen to them and there to watch them perform a really great set thank you for listening if you've enjoyed today's podcast please hit like subscribe and share and if you haven't already done so want to check out more content from master x media by clicking the link in the description below and we should catch you next time bye for now